Hello to all our listeners. My name's Bob, and today I'm talking to you from the control suite of the lead pan technician of the outside broadcast unit for Cone Radio. And if you listen now, you might hear. Our trucks are setting up in preparation for tomorrow's North Essex local derby football match between Harwich and Parkston Town and Wivenhoe Town. And everything is set for a great game for what promises to be a thrilling encounter between two local rivals, Harwich and Parkston Town and Wivenhoe Town, known respectively as the Shrimpers and the Dragons. Dennis, a rapidly deepening area of low pressure in the Atlantic, now sending wind and rain towards us. Strong disruptive winds across the UK throughout the weekend, but spells too of heavy torrential flooding rain, especially into parts of England and Wales. Welcome to Football and Chips, a day out in Harwich, a Box 39 community special. When seven friends went to watch Harwich and Parkston play Wivenhoe Town at football, as the storm clouds of the impending storm Dennis scudded threateningly over the northeast coastal town of Harwich. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. Meeting up on the train from various stations, they pass along the beautiful Mayflower branch line that follows the broad and dark grey river Stour before reaching the end of the line at the seaside for adventures, football and chips. With Bob May. There's a killer on the road His brain is squirming like a toad Take a long
sat in the welcoming warmth of the club bar at the Royal Oak Ground in Dovercourt, home to Harridge and Parkston FC, and we chatted to several of those people involved in the big game. We spoke to Tony Armstrong, chair of Harridge and Parkston, a club with a long and proud history. My name's Tony Armstrong, I'm club chairman. The last 20 years I've been chairman of the, of the football club and previously before that I've, I've, I've been manager of the club on several occasions because as a chairman I've sat quite a few managers over the years and decided, thought I could probably do better uh, and I started playing for the club back in 1968 as a player. I still cut the grass, I still uh, do all the other jobs associated with it but when you're in non-league grassroots football it's, it's down to people taking on the jobs and making sure things are done properly going forwards. Over the period of the last 20 years, there's various decisions that have been made to ensure that the football club continued in existence. And a lot, some of them were linked financially, some were linked to other reasons, but the important thing for me as chairman of the club, when I took over as chairman, uh, the club was playing in a relatively, it was playing in the third London Premier Division, had massive financial problems that had been created by some of the people that were probably running the club before. The club was in quite a, a high debt and I, I was watching the game, having been involved with the club obviously for many years, I was actually watching the game as a spectator and uh, this was in the year 1999 and in the bar after the game it was reported that the club was folded because of the lack of personnel wanting to continue the club uh, they were aging and just felt that they couldn't take the club any further and, and I got, a, got together a committee of uh, people, friends, people who've been involved with the club before and uh, we, we kept the club going. When we took over the club, we found very quickly that we weren't reducing the debts that the club had incurred in previous uh, management structures. And so we had to make a decision that we were going to cut wages, uh, or not necessarily cut wages, stop paying wages, because we didn't have the money to pay them and the club was just getting further into debt. As a result of that decision, players obviously left and we ended up with a situation where we, we, we were on the verge of going out of existence. Now, with the current situation where we're back in the senior level of football, the fans are of paramount importance because we probably have the highest average uh, gate out of all the teams in the league that we're currently competing in. Without the support, you know, the, the club wouldn't be able to compete at the level it's now competing at. Harrington Pass is, is heaped in tradition and it played in the Amateur Cup final uh, back in 1890-something. It played in the FA Amateur Cup final at Wembley in 1953 in front of 100,000 people. It is very much a, a very, very historic football club. Harridge and Parkston was the very first club, not just at, at uh, non-league football, with professional football as well, was the very first club ever to play a match abroad uh, when, it, when it played Royal Antwerp in, before 1900. We travelled travelled to Antwerp on the boats from here, and the match was reciprocated the following year back here. Um, and there's been traditional matches over many many years with in in Holland and things like that, purely simply because of the port links. Royal Antwerp, who the match was against in 1892, sent the team over to commemorate uh, the 125 year anniversary of it recently. And something obviously that we're very proud of, obviously with the history of the club.
Leaving at anchor off Harridge and safely outside the three-mile limit, the innocent-looking ex-ferryboat Caroline is causing quite a stir in official circles. She's a floating broadcasting station, hoping to make a big thing out of commercial radio and waiting for the advertisements to roll in. I'm no pirate, insists Captain Mackay, even if the radio crew are. No danger to his ship so far. Generators supply power for the wireless transmitter. Caroline Radio is on the air 12 hours a day, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Between those hours, they think, there's a public large enough to attract local advertising revenue. Crew technicians have comfortable off-duty quarters, and to all indications, Caroline is a happy ship. The radio company believe it's all perfectly deep. In the ship's studio, they broadcast with no more concern than if it were all in broadcasting house. This is Radio Caroline on 199, England's first commercial radio station. My name's Simon D. with you for the next two hours. First one off the top of the pile, the Hollies, Rockin' Robin. You're listening to Box 39. The wall of radio sound. <laughs> it's a god awful small affair to the girl with the mousy hair. But her mummy is yelling no, and her daddy has told her to go. But her friend is nowhere to be seen Now she walks through her sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view And she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a sad thing for For she's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools Cause they ask her to their life on Mars It's on America's orchard brow Mickey Mouse has grown up on sale again See the mice in their million hordes From Ibiza to the Norfolk broads The Britannia is out of bounds To my mother, my dog and clowns But the film is a sad thing for Cause I wrote it ten times or more It's about to be writ again as I ask you to focus on sailors fighting in the dance hall Oh man, look at those cavemen go It's the freakiest show Take a look at the
Wivenhoe Town, like Harwich and Parkston, is a football club that enjoys a unique and precious place in its community here in North East Essex. As their supporters, known as the Wivenhoe Ultras, began to assemble in the main stand, we spoke to two of their key players, their captain, Tim Dennis, and first, their goalkeeper, Ben Galifant. Hello, my name is Ben Galifant, I play for Wivenhoe Town. I've been playing for Wivenhoe over a period of about five years now, on and off. If I'm honest, I, I did have aspirations of playing higher like anybody does, but it's a good stand to play at um, for somebody who has a job during the week and then goes and plays on like a weekend. It's, it's, it's something I've always wanted to do like continuously until I can. I work in the Builders Merchant as a sales coordinator, so I'm fortunate enough to get weekends off, which allows me to play every single week, really. I go to the gym every week, every day after after work, so try and keep myself fit. And um, some players don't, some players do, you know. There's a youth youth teams all the way through up until first team. A few that have come through, which is which is the main thing about this sort of level of football, because I mean the money isn't thrown about as much as it is in the higher league. So there's a lot of youth players that do come through the system, and there's there's some good little players out there to be fair. It's just the love you have for the game, really. Um, I think anybody who tell you plays football, it's the love for the game. And that's why you turn up every single week to play. I think the club's back on its feet a little bit more now and looking to push on. I mean, it's been a bit of an up and down season um, results-wise, but I think the performances we put in when we have won the games obviously suited us, so we deserve the wins. But it's, it's all about um, being consistent, really. My name's Tim Dennis, uh, I play for Wivenhoe no Town. I've been a centre-half, I've played right-back, I'm currently playing centre-midfield, so moved around, quite versatile apparently. I think for me it's, it's the love of playing for Wivenhoe no Town, I'm not really one of these players who goes around different clubs, moving around, I've found a home here, I've enjoyed playing here, I've enjoyed all the lads who have come through here, there's been a lot of good players over the years. I think loyalty is something that's very underrated in this level of football, but it's something that I think I portray and I, and I like to play for Wivenhoe no Town. It's keeping the players who are very who are the best players in the team and, and the players who are going to make a difference, primarily strikers, but also keeping players who, are, who don't tend to have the same level of loyalty. And it's, it's completely understandable. If someone turns around and turns to you and says, right, 50 quid, it's going to make a big difference to someone's life in this level when it pays for your weekend and it does make a difference. So it does turn heads, but it's just it depends what you want out of your football. I think Mo's done it for a few years now and he does it for the love of the game. I don't think it's ever been about money with Mo, I think it's always been about wanting the best for Wivenhoe Town and trying to develop young players. He's got a project in mind, some people buy into it, some people don't and that's their choice really. You're getting some young players coming through now and it is important at the level to, to have those young players to come through and then opportunities come up elsewhere and then they move on. There's no development fee which would probably help clubs at our level. I'm a primary school teacher, I teach down the road, there's a primary school, all saying it's primary school down the road and I teach there and I think my work commitments will take me in that direction as opposed to staying in football, maybe coaching through a school or that sort, that sort of thing. I think it's players who see a bit of money, who start to see, realise that they're, their ability, they're, they're, they're scoring a few goals or they're doing quite well and they have opportunities elsewhere and they do tend to move on and that's understandable but then that, that has the impact on the club that you're at. It's just one of those things isn't it, a little bit of money here and there makes the, all the difference apparently. For me it's always been Stanway, we've been known Stanway, um, obviously Harwich here now they're coming along, you've got a little locally in the local area as well. It's not always been that way because it tended to be Harwich were a little bit further behind and now they've, they've seemed to have caught up, they've got, they've got some good investment and it seems to be having a good impact on the club. There's always been Stanway and Wivenhoe and that's been the main one for us. There would have to be a level of investment to take the club forwards. Anybody who owns a football club putting so much of their finance into it. Yeah, yeah I mean, and it's, it's how much you want to invest, how far do you want to take it, because you can take it to the next tier and then you've got to invest X amount more money and then again the next tier and, and so on and, like, and it's, it's, it depends how much money you really want to put It almost it. doubles every season, if you were to go up every season it almost doubles, does it? Yeah, it seems to be the way that local clubs are going to bring through youth and to try and support that.
The game on this stormy afternoon was a league fixture in the newly created Division 1 South of the Eastern Counties League. Life at this level of football can be fraught with difficulties, with the management of finances, assets, players and the ground being a constant and precarious balancing act for all involved. Here once again is Harridge and Parkston chairman Tony Armstrong. And we own this this ground, which is obviously worth quite a lot of money if it was sold for the redevelopment and things like that. But, you know, that's not what we're here for. We're here to provide a football facility for the community of Harridge and, and Parkston and Dovercourt. And we make this ground available to every single area of, of the community, free of charge. You know, in particular, if it's for charity, Hollyoaks came and played a match for Cardiac Risk in the Young. And, you know, we, we, we're forever making the facility social club as well. We don't charge anybody to hire a social club if it's for, a, for an event that somebody's going to get some benefit from. You know, so we, we really consider ourselves very much a community football club. You start the traditional methods of, of youngsters, coaching the youngsters, developing the youngsters, they progress through the age groups. But at the end of the day, grassroots football, in particular in North East Essex, is very much generated by money. As the players get better, if you can't give them a first-team place, somebody else will. I read quite regularly about clubs saying, well, you know, so-and-so's made his debut because he, and he's progressed from the youth team. That's brilliant. That's a loyal individual that, that is being rewarded by, you know, playing at that level. But eight out of ten of the youngsters, once they reach a certain level, they might think some of them might think they're better than what they are. They might think that they're entitled to get more money than we can pay. We, we, we probably in this, in this area of the, of the county, we probably reward our players with expenses, probably the lowest out of all the clubs within 30 miles of us. For example, club captain, he refuses any offer of any recompense whatsoever for travelling or anything. You know, we've got people here been playing, playing for the last two seasons. We went up to senior level, playing for nothing. There's been people down here working on this pitch all week, all volunteers, all for nothing and that. And you just haven't got the resources to pay anybody to come and do it, so you have to do it yourself. I mean, we've had offers to, to sell the football ground, but the problem for, for me when, when, when we come to consider this option of selling this football ground is that the, the relocation availability puts us out of the main areas of the town, and then we don't have the same uh, influence and input into helping in, you know, develop things in the town. Here, because we're right in the centre of Harridge and Dovercourt, you know, this, this is a, a perfect location to put events on for the, for the town and things like that. You're listening to Football and Chips, a day out in Harwich, a Box 39 community special. When seven friends went to watch Harwich and Parkston play Wivenhoe Town at football, as the storm clouds of the impending storm Dennis scudded threateningly over the North East Essex coastal town of Harwich for adventure, football and chips. With Bob May. Be anywhere else than here to 
funny and they didn't crack a smile but it's no laughing party when you've been on the murder mile it only takes one itchy trigger one more widow one less white Oliver's army is here to stay Oliver's army on their way and I would rather be Palmer, uh, right back and club captain of Harrison Parkson. The captain of Harrison Parkson Football Club is Nicky Palmer. Wake up in a, cold sweat. a short while before kickoff, and as the winds of Storm Dennis raced across the Royal Oak pitch outside. Nicky talked to us about what it was like to be captain of a club with such an important place in its community. When I first started, I'd come through the youth at Harwich, uh, through the under-18s, reserves, and eventually the first team. Uh, my ambition back in the day was to make one first team appearance. I'm heading 200 now, so. I work for social services, working with children who have been in care. I'm very fortunate in that I do Monday to Friday, 9 till 5. It's very rarely that I'll be working past 5, 5.30. Um, so for me, it's a dream. Training isn't an issue because it's in the evening and I, it's not a taxing job on your body. Mine's office and working with young people based. So for the, the people who are bricklayers or carpenters or manual workers and they're working all hours of the day and night, it can be an issue, physical and mental. So the, the youth setup has been rejuvenated with the amalgamation of Dover Court Vipers. So they've, they were a, a separate setup who then joined to form the new reserves and the youth teams have come over. So they're rebuilding the youth setup because it was non-existent. There are a lot of local players in the team and because it's quite a small town and it's a local community everybody does know someone in the team which is nice because then it brings people through the gate if we're hitting 100, 200 fans a game it's brilliant You've got teams that are still especially the London teams hitting less than 20 fans and, and the club relies on the gate money to survive Management and players didn't see eye to eye for some period. We had a lot of players come and go between the end of last season and November this season. I think possibly 20 to 25 players have come and gone. Previous manager, who's done an excellent job last year, has left and he's now working over at Holland FC. Our assistant from last year has stepped up and brought, that's Mike Wallace, and he's brought Gary Cousy in to be his assistant. And he settled the ship very well. They've got the Ultras behind them, the Wivenhoe Ultras, and it's always a joy to play in front of them. 
Well, they got the better of us last time. Uh, they play fast, attacking football, so it'll be back against the wall, unfortunately, for us at the back. They're loud. They're loud, and they love their team. That's what we want. We've, we've got a small band of loyal supporters that follow us home and away, and I think they want to be much like the Withno Ultras. boys and girls wave a greeting to England, land of the free. They are between the ages of five and 17, the advance guard of the first 5,000 Jewish and non-Aryan child refugees from Germany to be provided with a temporary home here while arrangements are made for them to immigrate. Coaches take them to camp at Dover Court, run by the British Committee for the Care of Children from Germany, and the youngsters tuck in as if they hadn't a care in the world. What a blessing to be young.
You're listening to Box. Uh, what is it? Thirty-nine. Box thirty-nine. Let's hear from the chair of Harrigan Parkston Football Club. Tony Armstrong once more as he explains just what keeps this historic football club rooted at the heart of its local community. We were very fortunate to, to have Kevin Beatty play here. He came and played for us over a couple of seasons and, and did particularly well. Um, he came, I was manager at the time when Kevin came. He was a revelation and Kevin Poor you know, sadly passed away last year. Kevin Beatty did a massive amount for this football club. You know, he, he was readily available for any charity events we put on. He never ever wanted any money whatsoever off us for coming and doing it. We had a match here where we were raising uh, money for the, the army benevolent uh, funds um, and we had a match against uh, a, a showbiz 11 I, I contacted a couple of people that wanted you know, would they come and get involved in, in what we were trying to raise money for and one ex-England player wanted £2,000 just to come to kick off Ke Kevin Beattie wanted a taxi and, and, and a few pints of beer over the bar He played up front when he, uh, when he came here because he, his knees wouldn't let him turn very much and he played up top and his statistic with his club is played 50 games, scored 50 goals. But he was just brilliant what he did for the football club because yeah. he gave us a recognition all over the country that, you know, well, Kevin Beattie's playing for Harwich and every other club in the Thurlow none benefited because every time Harwich went, Kevin Beattie was playing, they got 50 more people on the game. We got 50 more people plus here and, uh, you know, I used to give Kevin £10 a game to come in the bar and have a beer. That's, all he, that's again, another player that, you know, came and played for us and, and wasn't here for the money. And we don't want people here that are here for the money. There's clubs in, in the third and none league we currently are in, paying people £100 a week plus, things like that. Let them get on with it. At the end of the day, they've got to find that money somewhere. It doesn't come from an attendance of 60, 70 people. Here, what we only spend what we can generate. And hence why we probably have one of the lowest budgets. But last year, we finished sixth in the league uh, on, a, on, on our budget. This year, you know, we're, up, we're, we're not in that position at the moment. But with the games we've got to play and the results we've got since we've changed manager, I'm confident that we'll, we'll be in the top half of the league at the end of the season. Because what's happening is we're paying, we've still got debts that, that we had from uh, not the, the year 1999 when I got involved. But those debts now, are, we can afford to repay them. The club is very much solvent and, and we run in this club like a business. If we haven't got it, we don't spend it. off Harwich, tugs take in tow the smashed British Railway steamer Duke of York. During fog and darkness, the ship bound for Harwich from the Hook of Holland had its bows torn off in collision with the American steamer Haiti Victory. As she limps to harbour, fishing vessels, launches and tugs hurry survivors to safety. Quickly comes the good news that at least 500 are known to have been saved from the crippled steamer. Under their overcoats, many are still wearing their pyjamas for few of the passengers had time to change when the crash occurred at 4.30 in the morning. Haiti Victory, a 7,500-ton steamer, picked up 400 survivors from the water. Tenderly, the stretcher cases are carried to a lighter. Some are badly injured, for the American ship struck Duke of York by the bridge and tore into the crew's quarters and many passenger cabins. Some were trapped in the tangled wreckage, but were quickly freed by others on board. The bows of Haiti Victory indicate the heavy impact with which it hit the steamer, shearing it in two. Apart from this damage, the American ship suffered little from the collision.
sunshine in your smile bring me laughter all the while in this world where we live there should be more happiness so much joy you can give to each brand new bright tomorrow make me happy through the years never bring me any tears let your arms be as warm as the sun from up above bring me fun bring me sunshine bring me love bring me sunshine in your smile bring me laughter all the while in this world where we live there should be more happiness so much joy you can give to each brand new bright tomorrow make me happy through the years never bring me any tears let your arms be as warm as the sun from up above bring me fun bring me sunshine bring me love sweet love bring me fun bring me sunshine bring me an enthralling and thoroughly enjoyable game of football played with commitment, energy and strong hearts which Harwich and Parkston deservedly won 2-0. It was a wonderful example of how local sport combined our community creating wonderful memories as well as social cohesion. And so, with warm hearts and cold rain in our faces, we set off for the short walk to another cornerstone of our community, the pub. We had chosen the Hanover Inn for our post-match celebrations before we travelled home on the last train. This great two-listed pub in the heart of historic Harwich was built in the reign of George I over 300 years ago as an inn, eating house and lodging house. The Hanover was owned for more than 50 years during the later 19th century by an ancestor of the producer of this radio show, Bill Lawrence, whose grandfather's grandfather, also called William Lawrence, was landlord there. Here's Bill with the remarkable story of this prominent member of the community of Harwich in the 19th century. Mariner, farmer, eating house keeper and renowned ghost. father's grandfather, William Lawrence, was born to a poor agricultural labourer in Aspel in Suffolk in 1834. However, by the age of 25, he had moved to the small but thriving northeast Essex port of Harwich, where he quickly built up an empire of small businesses that would make him one of the most prosperous, influential and dominant businessmen in Harwich, before losing everything in mysterious circumstances before the outbreak of the First World War nearly 60 years later. William began his business career buying the Hanover Inn at 65 Church Street after his marriage to local girl Laura at Harwich's St Nicholas's Church in 1858. They were to have 13 children, four of whom died as infants. 
his key friendships with influential businessmen and the local customs and excise officers based at the nearby promenade ensured that he was able to increase his businesses to include a shop in Albemarle Street that sold superior sausages, a large milk ground, the biggest dairy herd in the town and the nearby Waterworks Hall Hotel in Dovercourt, at which he installed his wife and children. With its four servants lodging upstairs, the Hanover Inn soon became a regular meeting place for Harwich's political elite and was reputed to have tunnels leading from its cellars to the nearby seafront where all sorts of goods could be smuggled and stored. With the cooperation of customs officials assured, William's influence and wealth grew. Although he was an outwardly respectable gentleman, William was not a gentleman. It is known that he would sack instantly any employee who asked for a raise in pay, and he was disliked by his children for his harshness as a father. He would train them to ride horses by strapping them first to a pig. His eldest son James, my great-great-uncle, left Harwich and his domineering father and travelled to the Kimberley Goldfields in the outback of South Australia, where his own fortune was lost in a venture that was described by James himself in a letter to the family as a complete fraud. Meanwhile, William's business interests in Harwich continued to grow, and by the 1880s he was hiring out bathing rooms, and by the turn of the century he owned one of the world's first camera obscuras that allowed holidaymakers to be photographed in a panoramic fashion along the beach. However, not everything went well for William. In 1888, a fire began in a cow shed at the back of the Hanover Inn, and it spread quickly. Fire engines dispatched from the nearby redoubt were unable to find sufficient water pressure and furniture, including what was described as a fine piano, was utterly destroyed by the blaze, which also gutted a nearby slaughterhouse. As much of his prime business lay in ashes, William had not insured most of what was destroyed. Six years later, in 1894, William was to suffer great personal injury. At the age of 60, he was walking with his wife across Tower Hill Meadow. His own cows and his prized black bull were grazing there. He went to stroke the bull, which angrily tossed him twice and got him badly in his face and lower part of his body. The horn of the beast entered William's mouth, passed upwards inside his skull and pushed out one of his eyes. He was rushed to the nearby Three Cups Hotel and then, accompanied by four local doctors who knew a wealthy patient when they saw one, he was driven in his own carriage to Ipswich Hospital. Treatment was successful and although badly disfigured, he was to live another 30 years. But just a few years after this, in 1900, after 45 years as a successful businessman in Harwich, William was to lose much of his wealth, status and prestige when he was found guilty of libel and fined £17,000, more than £2 million in today's money. Whose reputation he damaged and what he wrote, we do not know, despite a lot of investigations. We can assume that for such a huge sum to be levied against him, he upset someone very important and powerful. And the whole business was kept out of the local newspaper and remains hidden and secret to this day. William had to sell most of his businesses to pay this debt, although he kept the Hanover Inn until it was badly damaged by another mysterious fire in 1910. William's children and grandchildren moved to the east end of London to start afresh, living in much poorer circumstances. My grandfather, William's grandson, was not prepared to tell even his own children the details of this mystery, warning 50 years after the libel, don't go to Harwich and tell them you're a Lawrence, because you'll get your throat cut. In 1928, when my own father was just one month old, William Lawrence died in Harwich, aged 90, leaving just £225 to one daughter and leaving nothing to his remaining other eight children who survived him. After enduring several fires, a life-changing attack from a bull and the politics of the town that tried to destroy him, he died choking on a toffee. And if you want to meet him yourself, you can. Over the years, I've spoken to several owners and employees at the Hanover Inn, including the very friendly occupants that are there today. And all have confirmed that in the large back room, still a dining room for customers today, as it has been for the last 300 years, William is often seen, just before opening time. And I'm assured that he is a very friendly ghost.
been listening to Football and Chips, a day out in Harwich, a Box 39 community special. When seven friends went to watch football, tell tales and eat chips. Box 39 has been a guppy production for Cone Radio. <laughs> <laughs>